heart and soul. Thank you, Ron. And thank you, Deb. And thank you, Valerie Joy, for starting our service in the clear and intentional way that we do. I just want to remind you of how important it is that we take the time for that brief time for our devotional. If you're not, if you don't have a regular meditation practice, a stillness, by any name, if you are not sitting still so that, so that the divine can commune with you. I know we take time to commune with the divine whenever we're in a tight spot. Let's just be clear. And to ensure, to, to complete the orb of our spiritual practice, minimally a few moments of stillness, to allow the divine to commune. And that's what we do in our devotional. So I'm so very grateful for our heart and soul practitioners and for that practice and for the way that we consistently do that. I encourage you to join us. If you're tuning in and you, you, you log on and uh, that's the time you go to get your coffee and your little snack and I'll, I'm, I'm going to ask you to just do it a little different for a while to be with us during the devotional period. A huge part of what we are up to now is an intention of moving forward together. And in part, that's why we are asking you to contribute to Jackson, Mississippi in ensuring that water is provided. Now, I know if you tuned in and do not please don't give me that look right now that says, I already heard on the news that they no longer have to boil water. Well, boiling water does not clean it. It removes certain bacteria, but it's not removing lead and mercury and all of the things that make it toxic. So I'm going to ask that we continue to support them. Our financial donation, there's a link Online, I know your, our online folks will make it available to you if you're in the room. Y'all take photo of other slides. I mean, I'm just saying, get your little smartphones out and make sure you have the information you need. It's also in our Wednesday recap. It's in our Sunday reminder for the service. We can support them. This we can do. It's personal for Heart and Soul, one of our board members and um, longtime supporters, Makani Timba, lives in Jackson, Mississippi. And so we're all about it. And I'm asking that you support us. Why? Because we are moving forward together. This is good practice for us, where we might say, well, that's Jackson. What are we doing? Mm. It's all of us. And you need to know that water doesn't have as many boundaries as we pretend like it has. We act just like the water there is not a problem for us. And somebody would say so far in the way that it is. You, ooh, anyhow, that's not to talk today, but you can see that there's a talk brewing simultaneous to, to, uh, to this awareness. 
So look, we are still, we have a few more moments in summer before we get to fall, and you know we're going to do the fall of shift as well. But for right now, we are still in the summer of shift, and I'm just reminding you that we have a text for that, and it's the four pivots. So I'm still drawing from that even as we move through. Val, I'm going to ask you to bring me my little uh, remote because I just would love to have it right now. It is over there. I took it off to lotion. I know that's TMI, but just, just bear with me, y'all. Thank you very much. Um, so I just want to quickly kind of go through the, each pivot. Y'all, many of you know it already, know them already, but some of you may be just tuning in and you aren't as clear about that. And besides that, the trainer in me knows that repetition is key to this. So the first pivot is about awareness. And we know that awareness is another name for consciousness. So it's bringing to our conscious awareness who we are and what we bring into this. And I could say if I were going to make the talk about Jackson and water anywhere, we could say, what's my part in that? How is the water on the planet being piped to humans how is it so par, subpar, while I'm on the planet operating? While I'm praying, while I'm doing my spiritual work, how could that be so out of order on my watch? That would be an opportunity for us to look in the mirror to begin to discern what's my part in this. What I say to me is, where are my fingerprints on this? Because I know that if... Hmm, I know that I always have work to do. I can see the prayer request of the world. I can see that water in Jackson and drought here and this there and elders there and children there, is, it's all a prayer request. And it's about me transforming my awareness first by right of consciousness is what we're always dealing with. And then pivot number two is about connection. It's about moving from transactional to transformative relationships. Building connections that leverage our shared humanity. Think Jackson. Think Oakland. Think, think about people everywhere and how connected we are with them as long as we're willing to acknowledge that. Pivot three, which is where I'm going to hang out today, is about vision. It's about our perception. It's about our perspective. It's, it requires that we reimagine how we think and act, shifting from problem-loving, Dr. Sean Jenright says, and problem-fixing to possibility-creating which is a higher level than possibility thinking. You with me? Possibility thinking, all about it. Let's go there. Possibility creating is the, it's the actionable aspect of that. It's where we're committed to doing something. Minimally, we can send some money. We can also do some research. We can participate we can run for office. We can support those running for office so that we can make the kind of difference that is required. 
And privet number four is presence. And although I started with that one, I'm not done with it. Because that's why we do devotional. It's about practicing the presence. It's about acknowledging beyond ourselves. He says it's moving from hustle, from the frenzy of life into the flow. Ain't no way to do that without being still. And I don't really care how stillness looks. For some, it's a moving meditation. But it's a stillness in mind and spirit. Does that make sense? Because I know the... Your legs and feet and your body is going to be moving in that. But there's a stillness. There's a divine intention of stillness. Does that make sense? Can you all get with me with that? Okay. So that stillness is a practice, of a spiritual practice of practicing the presence. So look, I'm still drawing from the same couple of scriptures, uh, exactly three. Romans 12 and 2, do not imitate. In another version, another translation, it says, be not fashioned according to this world. Don't get caught up in how how it is right now. In fact, this congregation could make it unacceptable to ever say again in life, that's just the way it is. Because if that's true, why are you here? You are here with the power and the presence and the wherewithal to make a difference. That's why you're here. You're not extra. You're not a duplicate. You're not just to hang out and support us. You're not extras in the scene. You have a key role. So no, that's not just the way it is. Why? Because we are not to imitate. We're not to fashion ourselves according to the way it is, but we're to be transformed by the renewing of our mind, our thinking, our way of perceiving, our sense of what is. You see, if you come here and you hang out with us, I'm going to challenge you to take some classes. I'm going to challenge you to read. I'm going to challenge, or, or, or listen, I know some of y'all are audiophile, audiophiles. So you'll be listening to something. I'm going to challenge you, and I'm challenging you now to expand your awareness. To know something more each day than you knew be- in my life. I declare when I awaken, I know more than I knew when I went to bed. Because I know my subconscious mind can support me if I allow it. And it's doing it no matter what. The allowing is my awareness, my willingness to acknowledge, my willingness to perceive it, also known as peep. My willingness to peep it, to see that I literally know something more. I have an expanded awareness. You know what that buys me? Is when I go to bed with whatever the problem is, I can awaken with the solution. And it's not because I'm smarter than you. That ain't it exactly. It's that I know how to use the divine power that is me. And so it's not that I don't have problems or I don't perceive issues. 
But I know if I go to bed and when I go to bed, if I hold them in the right consciousness, I will often awaken with the answer, with the solution, just like just knowing. But it's also because I believe, and it's done unto you. It's done unto all of us as we believe. So that's the level at which the shift must take place, yes? Be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, which would mean start believing something different. Because what you have right now is evidence of what you believe. Don't be mad at me about that. All I did was lift it up to the light. All I did was speak it out loud. That we live our lives by right of consciousness, which means awareness. So there is, there's good in every life that many of us are not even aware that we have that good. We're not aware of the divine health and well-being that we have because we're forever telling people how unwell we are. We're sharing about the diagnosis. We're sharing about, sometimes we don't even have the diagnosis. We just have an idea that we probably may kind of be at the effect of something. And we repeat that often enough Acting just like our subconscious is not soaking all of that up. And that our cells are not at the effect of what we believe. It is done unto us as we believe. And that same scripture calls on us to distinguish what is good, acceptable, and the perfect will of God. And if we do that part, if when, as we, as we take on this idea, this mantle of transforming and renewing our minds, starting again with it. I know, see, too often we want to live in what, how we messed it up. I read something just, I think, in my preparation, and it reminded me of a time when I was so at the effect of what I had either done wrong, and I'm not even sure if I did something wrong in retrospect, or if something I filed as wrong. Do, do you, you get it? Because give it 10 years, and we may say, oh, I didn't do nothing wrong, but I can see how my undoing was that I thought I did. And I lived in the, the guilt, the shame, the... the, 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 the the self-recrimination of, of believing I'd done that. Or maybe it's a didn't do. Maybe it's a didn't do for some of you. That I didn't do that, and I think I should have, or so-and-so said I should have, and I've been carrying that with me for years now, that I should have. Oh, if I had, if only I had. My life would be, oh, come on, James Stewart. Well, how are you going to know your life? Y'all know it's a wonderful life. You don't really know how your life would have been, should have, would have, could have. But now I'm off topic. And just all of this, I can just see the tangential talks that could pop off here. So in order to, the, the, 
The Four Pivots invites us to reimagine justice and to reimagine yourself. We can do both simultaneously at the same time. We really can. This is not, this we can do. But this notion of changing your thinking and changing your life is an inside job. This is how you begin to reimagine yourself is by changing your, can you see how those, th those have to go together? In order to reimagine yourself, you must begin another way of thinking, another way of being. You must be willing to change your mind and pivot in this case, yes? Revelations 21 and 1, <laughs> and I saw a new heaven, a new possibility. I saw a new way that Jackson could be. I saw a new way that Oakland could be. I saw a new way that the youngins can be. I saw a new way for the elders. I saw a new way for communities. I saw, a new, I saw peace. A new heaven, I saw peace. And a new earth, the manifestation of it, the demonstration of it. We've got to use our imaginations. <laughs> Said Gladys Knight. Marvin Gaye, I really got to use my imagination. What does the song say? To think of good reasons. <laughs> to keep on keeping on. Sometimes it's just that simple. I've really got to use my imagination to think of good reasons to keep on keeping on. Because otherwise, somebody will tell you it's not worth it. So you are going to have to shift your belief system in such a way that you have some good reason <laughs> to show up, to donate, to contribute, to participate, to speak up. To sit down, come on, Rosa Parks. To move, to not move. To go, to come. It's up to each and every one of us. We've got to use our imaginations in order to see a new heaven. Because the new earth is not going to show up. It's the effect. This is just a way of speaking cause and effect. New heaven, new earth cause, effect. It's got to begin in our belief, in our imagination. We're training ourselves, and the sea was no more, and the confusion ceased. We can do this. The divine in Revelation 21 and 5 says, and behold, I make all things new. All of it can begin again. 
You know, that's the thing that for someone who's willing to believe, that's the thing, that's the idea, that's the quote, that's the verse that can change everything. Because for the one who thinks it's over, the one who thinks that, you know, I just give up, I'm too far, I'm too far gone. It's too far gone. There's no, ah, behold, I make all things new. You know, ask somebody, hang out with a different crew. Somebody on your crew ought to have a testimony. Are you in the wrong crew? Somebody on your crew has a testimony. The folks, when I say crew, the folks you're hanging out with, the folks you trust, the folks you, the one you go to when it really gets bad, that you want to go to somebody who knows something. No, come on now. You can't go to the one who gets in the pool, in the pity pool with you. Already dressed to get in. No, that's not the one. You want the one that's like, oh, baby, come on out of there. The one who knows because they've been someplace similar. And they know you don't have to stay there. They know that's not the only way. So look, in order to reimagine justice, and reimagine yourself. This third pivot is about reimagining how we think and how we act. By the shift from problem fixing, problem loving, problem engagement. And there's some relationships that if you don't bring the problem, you can't really hang out with that group. I'm just saying. Y'all know what I mean. There's some folks that you just can't really be happy around. You really can't just share the, the good news. You can't give the highest testimony and have that be it, because they're like, what you? Ain't something wrong? Somewhere? Because it's the vibration of the relationship. But you're going to have to reimagine this in a way. Look. Dr. George Washington Carver offered us that where there is no vision, there is no hope. And we know his story. We know he was, the, it's said that he was born circa 1864. But we, nobody knows. He didn't know. There was nobody who definitively can tell us when he was born. He was born enslaved. And we know that he came to do this amazing work as a botanist. And one of the things he, he ultimately said to us is that anything will... He, this was part of an interview. When they were asked, like, how could you come up with all of these ways to use peanuts? And, and how can you do all of this? And what he said was that anything will give up its secrets if you love it enough. And he might have even said, and that's true about anyone as well, about any life. That's true about life. Emmett Fox says, whenever you think about any subject, you're treating it with your thought. When you think about anything, now let's go back to what, Dr. George Washington Carver said, anything 
will give up its secrets if you love it enough. Emmett Fox says, in the same vein, whenever you think about anything, you are treating it with your thought, either for good or evil. Which could be, if you go back to what Dr. George Washington Carver said, because the flip of that would be that it won't help you at all if you don't love it. If you're cursing it. If you're believing that it has no place in your life. Can we see how that, it's in us. It's not the thing. It's in us. It's about us. It always is. Look at here. You know, we, anybody who went to American public schools, and private for that matter, learned about Thomas Edison. But here's what I want to do in raising Thomas Edison up. Because I, I want to focus uh, just on his, um, on this race to um, present the light bulb in a certain form, to move from gas-lit bulbs to what ultimately became incandescent. And now LED. But, but watch this. When you think about that story of that, that we all learned about Thomas Edison, and, and we know that it took several years, and, but imagine if that was going on today. And so you now have a hundred news sites that are reporting <laughs> on what he's up to. You know, they didn't have that then. But we know one of the headlines would be that Edison bilks millions on the electricity scam because it didn't always work. But y'all know that, right? You, you know, in the invention process, there's the parts that work and the parts that don't. And, but move that to today with how quickly we rush to an opinion about it. So you'd have a headline that kerosene lights first time every time. What's he messing around with? Now some of you are already thinking electric cars. And some of you already know that Los Angeles way back, I think in the 50s, was doing something with electric um, trans public transportation. But it's known that the fuel, the gas industry, made sure that that didn't happen. So, so we understand how, how things change and how we get into the mix and how we imagine it the way we want it to be. Even if we don't know how it's going to be. We know that a possible headline could be, they said it couldn't be done and it can't. We need to just shut him down. He had major sponsors, but we're believing that, you know, they should just keep their money because this ain't working at all. Is Edison secretly working for the oil monopolies? C can you see how, how we work it now to undermine our own good? That's us. We are, we are kind of the consciousness of whatever we see in the headline on some level. But nobody then could foresee LED bulbs right now. Nobody could foresee our little 
battery-operated candles, keeping it safe and smoke-free in the room, you know? All of the things that, that change in the progress of us shifting our thinking. So look, I feel like there's no way for me to talk about Dr. George Washington Carver and, and then go to uh, Thomas Edison without a what if. What if? But what if we are the ones we've been waiting for? Indy Irie wrote a beautiful song that just gets us into the energetic game of playing what if. What if we can change the world? What if our love can change the world? And thank you for all of the folks named in the song for their contribution. Thank you to the folks in the room because the list continues. Thank you to the folks tuned in because what each of us is doing and the intention that we're setting now to, to make the kind of fundamental shift in who and how we are and what we value and what we're willing to, to have and not have. You know, part of that growing up there was something about noticing when my mother put her foot down. Now, you know, because I don't know about in your household, but mama would say stuff, but, you know, the tone, the energy, and the fact that she didn't move meant that we didn't have to either. Wow. We're just like, mm-hmm, I heard her say that. But then there's a moment <laughs> when, when something about that, and, you know, living in that household with that, you, you develop some extrasensory perception. <laughs> and you get that feeling that mom's about to get up. She don't even have to actually get up, but you get that there's a move, a thought about moving in the making. And that changes everything, doesn't it? So this idea of, of making a difference in the world is tuning into ourselves, seeing what stops us, seeing what pretense we, we have put in place, seeing what moves us from the lethargy of the lie or the ignorance or whatever it is we're holding in place to moving. There's a line in the song that says, I matter you matter, we matter. I think that that's where the healing is. And you could really tell this years ago when Black Lives Matter came out and people lost their minds. Because when you think about the simplicity of what's being said, Black Lives Matter, you'd expect that the universe would go, yeah. Why do you? Yes. Thanks for mentioning that. Yes. But instead, it lit a fuse, revealing how difficult it was for some to hear those three words linked together. To see it linked together, Black Lives Matter. What you mean? Why should I have to hear that, see that? It's up to us. We can change 
the world. And my sense is that a huge part of our work is establishing that each of us matters, that all of us matter, because otherwise it's a shell game. So look, Emmett Fox has this work where he talks about the door opens inward. And I love this. Here's, here's essentially what he says. He says that it's often the, the fact that the door opens inward is the reason we don't make our demonstration. We assume it opens outward. And see, if you don't know how the door works, You've been there before. Were you pushing against the pull door? <laughs> Are you pulling the push door? You don't, don't act like you don't know. So that's what he's talking about. He says we, we assume that it opens outward, so we push against it as hard as we possibly can, seemingly oblivious to the fact that we are really but closing it all the more firmly against our good. Go on, Emmett Fox, tell us how it works. He says, to work this way is really just using willpower. Trying to overcome by human effort, and we are literally leaving God out. Our human nature is to push blindly when we're frightened or frustrated. And this is why the doors of all theaters and public buildings are required by law to open outward. Why? Because we're going to run and push. We all gonna, we're going to push each other. So if the door pulls in, we're all going to be trapped because there's going to be no way to do it, which is why the building codes require that. Yes? Prayer, however is essentially the refusal, he says, to be rushed by panic or by the existing current of things. He says, in prayer, you must draw back from the outer picture. You don't push against it. You draw back from it. You cease to press against events, circumstances, situations. And instead, see, this is why that devotional is so important. Because if you don't have a practice of stillness, of realizing the presence of God, you're going to be hard-pressed to come up with one in this moment. But if you have a practice of that, then it's just a matter of calling it in. Does that make sense? Of deferring to it because it's present in you. You don't have to, in the moment of strife and stress, create it. Instead, you are practicing it. In realizing the presence of God, you realize the door of the soul opens inward. Wow. In another piece, He talks about, because I want to continue this idea of praying, but I want to make clear that this is an entirely different essay, if you will. He says, when you're praying or treating about a particular thing, he says, you should handle it mentally, very carefully, indeed. This jives with, excuse me, what 
Dr. Sean Jinwright says about problem loving fixing and possibility creating. Because when you have a thing that is, well, let's just say if you're praying about it, now there's some special prayers. Some folks will be praying about the thing that's already working magnificently. And that's a good thing. I'm not talking about that right now. I'm talking about the majority of prayer requests are not about the thing that's working well. It's about the thing that the requester wants to work very differently. So Emmett Fox is saying, be very careful with how you handle that. He says the ideal way is to not think about it at all except when you are actually praying about it. So you're not focused on the problem. You don't stay focused. You don't entertain it all day long. When the thought comes, when you think up, he says to think about it in between, especially to talk to other people about it. He said that's a surefire way to invite failure. Because it's the way, he said, you know, he's not using Dr. Sean's language, but you're, you're, you're leaning into problem loving. Because what did uh, Dr. George Washington Carver say? Anything you love enough will reveal its secrets. Well, if you love it on the problem, It's going to show you all the possibilities, all the colors it comes in, all the possible textures, how long it can go. This is why some of us become experts around the problem. We know exactly who to call about that problem because they know everything about the problem. And it's a matter of focused attention. He says, when a new problem presents itself to you, he says, you should immediately know the truth about it. Immediately. Problem pop up, you, truth. This is why your, your spiritual practice is so important. Because you, you're going to need a truth to pop in there. You want another thought to think in lieu of thinking about the problem, the challenge. Yes? He says, then decline to consider it except in the light of truth. I was dealing with something recently <clears throat> and I was, I was struggling with like what to say and what not to say. And a friend of mine said, well, you know, the sun is the sun, S-U-N, <clears throat> is a, um, oh, now I can't even think of the word, but it will, will, uh, oh, will purify it. Oh, what's the word I want? Disinfect. The sun is a disinfectant. Expose it to the light. <laughs> Changed my life. Because in that scenario for me, I knew right away because I was already focused on how to expose it to the, tr to the truth in me. Not on a bandstand, not on a marquee. How can I expose this to a greater truth in me? <coughs> Pardon me. 
And when my friend said, the sun is a disinfectant, expose it to the light. The light in me. The truth, the greater truth that I know. He, this is Emmett Fox saying, he says, I call this putting a subject in quarantine. Now, a decade ago, I'd have had to define quarantine. Not anymore. We's all familiar with quarantine. So looky here. Can you imagine now putting ideas in quarantine? You better ask somebody, y'all. Look at here. He said, whenever I have, been un- I have been able to quarantine a problem of my own, I have always demonstrated very easily and very well. So you, you have to coordinate off. You have to make sure it don't mess up everything. You can't give it access to your full computer. You can't can't let it have access to the hard drive, to everything, to all the things you're working with. Yes. So it's in, in your circle graph. Imagine, if you will, if it's in your circle graph, I have no idea what that means anymore. Um. So if it's in your circle graph where you have, you know, relationships and, and creative self-expression and um, health and well-being and all of the things for your life, and now you got this problem, you're going to have to quarantine it because you don't want it in the relationship and in the health and well-being and, and in your creative self-expression messing up everything. So you got to quarantine. And make sure that you can put the truth on it. So look at here. What's the truth? I'm going to ask Karen and, and Valerie Joy to tell you about it. But look at here. The truth is that where I am, God is. <laughs> the truth is that where I stand, God is standing strong. The truth is that where I breathe, God is breathing life. The truth is, in and out and through me, as me, God is. And as we move into our closing prayer, I'll just ask that you, that you hear these lyrics now from me as I read them. Where I doubt, God is the faith in me. Where I cry, God is the comfort there. Where I seek, God is the answer. Here, now, forever and ever and ever. So it is in this awareness, in this consciousness, that I recognize ever more fully that the divine surrounds and enfolds all life. It is the love, it is the light, it is the peace. It is the divine. By any name, the living one, the strong one, God, Jehovah, Allah, by any name, The all in all, the creative process, divine creativity, 
love. Pure love. So it is in this awareness, in recognizing the divine presence everywhere, I know that I am living the life of God even as the life of God is living me. I know that right where I am right now, the whole, the perfect, the complete nature of the divine is. My work is to allow it to have its full sway. And so right now I declare on behalf of everyone within the sound of my voice that the goodness that is God surrounds and folds and imbues each and every one of us that each of us is breathing the breath of God, and that the breath of God is breathing each and every one of us, that each of us is living the life of God, and that the life of God is living each and every one of us, that truly, 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 there is not, there cannot be a spot where the divine is not. Truly, it is all God. It is all happening right here, right now. So in this awareness, I speak this word for the divine and perfect unfolding, the healing, the perfect revelation in every life. That I'm not pretending that I know and I'm not a problem lover, not a problem fixer, so I'm simply letting go. And I'm letting God I'm letting the living one, the strong one, I'm trusting. I'm knowing that right where each of us is, the whole perfect and complete nature of God is. And that that's sufficient. <laughs> that that's sufficient unto itself. That I don't have to know the details. And that the details do not need to be spoken. That there is a divine knowing, that there is a way to bring it all into perfect equilibrium, perfect and divine order, always and in always. Oh, so I just give thanks. I give thanks for the perfect order in the universe. I give thanks for the power of this word, not my word, but the power of truth. And for the courage to speak it. And the willingness to just let go, to drop it right here and now. To know that it is turbocharged by my tremendous faith and my willingness to know that this is done. And done well in God. And so I simply let it be. Releasing this word into the perfect activity of law. I let it be, now and forevermore. And so it is. Ashe. Amen. Love matters. <laughs>